And we are live, everybody. Welcome to this week's Cafe Hangout. I'm John Pollock, along with waiting. Thank you to all the members of the Post Wrestling Cafe tuning in live for this week's uh, news-heavy edition of The Hangout. We're going to be taking your phone calls. We're also going to be joined uh, momentarily by Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics. It is certainly a a week to have Brandon on to discuss everything that's going down. But really, uh, right off the top, want to uh, make mention of the unfortunate passing of Howard Finkel. At the age of 69, uh, this news came out uh, on Thursday morning. Uh, we know that Howard had been in some bad health, <clears throat> bad health over, over the last while uh, and passing away. Such a iconic voice, and I, I don't use that term lightly either. I think that anyone uh, growing up as a fan, Howard Finkel was just so ingrained with the WWF product to um, to the extent of, of any other voice that you would attach. I mean, that is the one that you would have in your ears of so many memorable moments. I mean, I would say he's the one constant voice that I think colors all of those um, classic, not just, I mean, it, yes, he, he, he colors, I think, a lot of WWE memories. But, I mean, because the WWE is so ubiquitous, he really colors professional wrestling history with his voice. Um, so many classic matches, so many classic moments, so many classic just memories. Um, so he's somebody who, you know, stretched multiple generations of this stuff. And um, it, it's, it's a big loss for sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always, you know, comforting when you see like the outpouring, but to me, just seeing so many personal um, memories of so many uh, talent and performers that had interacted with Howard and the, the consistent of stating how much this man loved his job and, would be going up to talent. Uh, David Otunga just shared a story that Howard coming up to him, like, think about this. This is probably uh, 09, 2010. And he's telling David Otunga, I have the honor of introducing you tonight and I don't want to uh, butcher your name. Uh, can you just please uh, give me the pronunciation? And, you know, for these people that grew up gigantic fans, just imagine like these, these you know, wrestlers today that grew up as fans having Howard Finkel uh, announce them. And this was... Uh, also, I mean, he was really kind of reduced in that role by by the end of the end of the 90s and then came back sporadically at different times, but largely was in a behind the scenes capacity for the last 20 years as well. And just always had such um, such an incredible voice. Um, that's, you know, and just seems like he was an unbelievable uh, individual for those that got to know him. I, I only got to meet him one time uh, a number of years back at a convention, but um just, uh, you know, left that impression on me that just a, a very sincere individual. Yeah, you were speaking. With. Absolutely. As you mentioned, you know, never seemed like somebody who really, I think for, for an industry that really almost like um, rewards people with overly sized egos. I never ever got that sense out of him, you know, and he's somebody who absolutely could walk around with that feeling. Um, but he, he seemed to be just eternally just happy you know, to be uh, attached to this world. Yeah. So if anyone wants to call in later, any memories of Howard Finkel, uh, we certainly will be opening up the phone lines after we speak with, uh, with Brandon and also joining us later on the show, Phil chair talk. will stop by the, the post master of ceremonies himself 
is gearing up for a big game night this Saturday. So we'll chat with Phil a little bit, maybe uh, throw in some MMA questions for him as well. Uh, that'll be towards the end of the show. Um, but yeah, way we're coming off a very tumultuous day in, in, I would say wrestling history, like not to sound overly dramatic, but this was a day for the ages on Wednesday with massive cuts across the board inside of WWE. Uh, we spoke about an hour on all of the news last night on rewind to dynamite, but, um, just being somewhat removed now for a, a day from all of this, any kind of thoughts just looking back at yesterday and kind of the, the effects on this company. Mm, I, I was, I guess curious to see what the reaction would have been from the public, you know, upon hearing news like this, how much of it would be people, I think rationalizing the fact that this was strictly a business decision versus how many people would be, I think, you know, sympathetic to the roster. And I, I feel most of the reaction I've seen are people uh, who feel more so the latter people who feel like this was, uh, even if you could understand the business side of it. um, I, I think a lot of people were turned off by the timing of it and by the perhaps um, real lack of necessity for a move like this for the company's bottom line. And um, that to me, you know, I wasn't sure if like the, the, especially, you know, wrestling fans at large would, would feel that way. But at least within our circles, I think that most, most do seem to come to the realization that this is not necessarily something that the company had to do. Um, but I mean, that, that really kind of depends on who you ask. Yeah. And I think we'll get into more of that with Brandon. Um, I, w- I want to, I don't want to just uh, get get completely bogged down in, in numbers and you know present this information in as clear a way as possible. But I I poured through so many of their financials today and just looking at just like a better sense of like the the overall like picture that we're assessing here. And again, I said it last night many times that this I feel like the true north of this story is ultimately the television contracts, and that's it it's very difficult to give um a full view of this decision without knowing are those completely in uh, have those been uh, affected in any way and if not um that makes this much more difficult because it's not as though today people are bemoaning and putting tributes on Twitter for the new headquarters and the fact that they're not going to be moving to a larger office or at least uh delaying that um it's it's the human cost involved in all this at a time when um, if you go by uh, Dave Meltzer's assessment, it works out to about seven hundred and three thousand dollars per month that they are saving with these costs, which would be around eight million per year, which do the math on just their U.S. TV deals of what they're making a week off of their television. So can you if you're even in the belief that the at that uh, expenses needed to be cut was that. Was that the area you're most vulnerable with your talent in this particular climate? So this I, I don't want this to come across as something that it's just. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Sorry, I just disconnected with you while I was trying to get our guest on. But please uh, finish your thought. Um, yeah, well, that was it. I mean, this is uh, obviously a very uh, complex story to look at. And we don't have that. And that get us towards um, speaking with Brandon, but also to next week's investors call wwe is going to very much have to answer a lot of these questions and hopefully as uh george barrios would say add a bit more color to this uh particular story um well we are now joined by our guest brandon thurston who we are uh looking forward to uh discussing more of this with john wayne glad to be here uh it's hey, great brandon to have you. and uh 
a wonderful bookcase, I noticed, uh, in the backdrop. I mean, it really I, gives... I promised a bookcase, also a furnace. <laughs> it, look, it looks wonderful. I, I think I have the worst backdrop here, just like these, uh, these soundproof uh, measures uh, in our backyard. But, um, you know, it's obviously yesterday was an extremely tumultuous day if you were an employee or independent contractor with WWE. And I'm going to fast forward to next Thursday, Brandon, when the WWE will have a, uh, an unconventional 5 p.m. call and in that opening address by Vince McMahon or whoever is tasked with uh, addressing the investors and shareholders, mm -hmm. what is that opening? What is that opening line? What is that opening thought that you think the WWE uh, comes out with? And you can extend that as well to uh, the different themes that you expect to be explored on that call. Well, I think they're going to talk about the cost cutting that they just did, which was announced yesterday and. You guys have been talking about all the talent releases that happened, you know, after that. Um, but I, I think it's going to be that they're going to, they're probably going to reestablish whatever their uh, profit projection would be. They, they like to talk about adjusted Aweebda when it comes to a profit metric. So they'll probably give an, a new uh, projection on how much profit they expect to, to have in 2020. Maybe, maybe, maybe not, depending on, you know, the uncertainty about how many events they're going to be able to run for the, for the rest of the year. But I, th I think they're going to be able to be, uh, more profitable this year than they were last year, even if they have no more new events uh, for the rest of the year. Um, I'm sure they'll talk about the, the new TV deal they finalized with uh, India, uh, in, with Sony in India. And, uh, yeah, and I'm sure they'll, they'll talk about how creative they were in uh, running WrestleMania with no audience and, uh, and the, maybe the WWE Cinema. It was reimagined. WrestleMania was, was. reimagined this it year. certainly was. Do you have do you have a sense of Brandon from you know uh, outside our little bubble what the typical investor how they might feel about every all the moves that have been taking place so far? I, I would think they would view it as a, a good thing. I think the uh, the stock price is up a little bit today. I don't think it's a huge deal though. Um, I don't think it changes a lot about what would be expected as far as W's financial performance this year. Um, it, it saves some cash. They announced also that they're going to postpone their, their move to a new headquarters building. So that, that saves some cash as well. Um, but again, I, you know, when you look at WWE as a business, it's got three main divisions, media, live events, and consumer products. Media's fairly safe. I, I don't think there's any, uh, any risk uh, really for their, for their TV rights fees at this point. I know Meltzer's reported that uh, in the case of the Raw deal, they can only do three tape shows. Um, but, you know, uh, maybe, maybe there's something similar with SmackDown. You know, SmackDown is running on Friday, and maybe there's something in the contracts. Again, these contracts are not uh, a matter of public record, but maybe there's something in the Fox contract. I would speculate maybe that's saying that it has to be live or, have, you know, a certain number of shows have to be live because they're running on Friday. And it's, it's a more expensive procedure for WWE to run on Monday and Friday live. So they don't want, you know, WWE maybe to, to go back to Tuesday and, and run a tape show again. So there may be something in, in the language of the contract that requires them to be live. But uh, as you guys know, they, you know Vince McMahon decided uh, the other day that he's going to just do everything live going forward. So I think that TV rights money is pretty safe. Um, yeah, the W Network may, may suffer a little bit, but uh, in, in, in light of this year, we're going to have a whole year with, uh, with new U.S. TV deals, which are uh, increased at a rate of 3.6x versus the, the previous deals. We're going to be entering a, a, new, uh, a new round of India TV rights deals, which were not, were not as big of an increase as they expected to be, but it's still a one8 X increase and uh, the UK TV deals either lateral or, or a little bit down.
but uh, they, they've got that. I think there, there is some risk as far as running a second Saudi event. Are they going to get another $50 million for another Saudi event? They already ran one in February, but are they going to be able to do another one before the end of the year? I think that's uncertain. Um, but, you know, the W Network is, is at risk a bit here. Uh, w Network subscriptions may be down. They're projected to be down in Q1 anyway, and that was a projection that they made before COVID-19 became a, a big, big crisis. Um, go ahead. So. So assessing, you know, uh, um, perhaps the stability, it, it seems like you're, you're suggesting of, of these TV rights deals. What was your initial reaction upon hearing all the releases from yesterday? I think it's WWE's effort to try to protect the profit that they originally projected. Um, I think it's easy to to look at it from the outside and maybe not know that much about WWE's business and think that, well, you know, everybody's going through hard times here and everybody's business and lives are being affected and and of course, WWE's business is being affected as well. But it's not a matter of keeping WWE profitable. I think it's a matter of um, preserving their original profit projections. And um, you know, I, I think WWE is probably not strongly considering, I think, the, the sort of fan narrative that's going to come out of this or that is coming out of this. I think you know, you know, Twitter reality is not reality reality. And uh, people you know, online may be very upset about this. But I think there's a section of, of the fan base that is influential and that is you know, kind of a bellwether and sort of forms the narrative. And you can you know, make the argument that you can make a valid and, and, and sound argument that, hey, look, this is, a, this is a good thing for the investors and this is good, the best thing for the company to, to keep it where it was on track to be in the first place. But I think there's a, an underappreciated value in, uh, in, in protecting the brand and kind of looking at this as a public relations move. Uh, as well as an economic move. When you look at um, the, the debt that the company has taken on, I mean, just looking at their uh, their 10K filing at the end of the year, I mean, it, it was an enormous jump uh, at the end of last year. And, you know, primarily because of these lease obligations that we would tie into this this big move to their headquarters. And I uh, like that's that's a significant part of this, that they are at least somewhat I don't know if it's uh, leveraging some of this debt or, or offsetting it um, in terms of delaying this, but that's that's a significant piece of this. What amounts to that four million per month? It seems that um, through the breakdown that like the talent cost is like a smaller percentage of that four million a month figure. Right, that's what we saw in the press release yesterday. I I, I don't want to get too much into the accounting and the debt and the cash stuff. These are areas that I, I don't understand as well. I was looking at at two the uh, in February two thousand nineteen they announced the stock buyback program, right, uh, to buy back some other stock. And I was so I was looking at the ten k uh, just a little while ago before getting on with you guys, and it looks like they spent about eighty three million dollars in two thousand nineteen to buy back some stock. So maybe maybe there's there's some more cash that they spent last year that they might have had on hand if they hadn't done that. Of course, not not foreseeing that there'd be a pandemic that they would have to deal with, but maybe that's some more cash that they could have on hand. Jordan here in the chat room has a question: Who's who was the most shocking out of all the releases that you might have heard about yesterday, Brandon? For you, hmm, maybe Rusev. Although you know, you hear some rumblings that maybe Rusev wasn't happy or get that imp- that impression from his Twitter. But I think Rusev and and Diana Prazo are probably the two most. Maybe even the, the most valuable that have, that were released yesterday. I think Kurt Angle is an interesting one as well, although you know Kurt Angle is basically retired and maybe he had a role coming for him as a producer. You know? 
What what do you make of, you know, I think the narrative for for such a long time has been WWE wanting to basically hoard um, as much of this industry as they can. Um, Clearly, with the move like what we saw yesterday, that that seems to be over. Um, Internally, what kind of discussions do you think went behind that decision? I think it's uh, – I I wouldn't be surprised, though, if in six months a lot of these people get rehired. Um, Obviously, the the producers and the coaches – are already reported to be furloughed, not permanently fired. But I think some of these people can end up getting rehired in, in six months, and it's it's at least a way for WWE to get out of paying their downside for however long this goes on if they do end up rehiring them. But, but uh, yeah, I think it, it, it saves WWE some money. I guess, Brandon, like at, at the core of this all, like let's let's go with the, uh, the the assumption that we all kind of have to move forward with, that these TV contracts are unaffected, that where is this company getting hit right now like what are the significant effects that they are enduring right now as they as they move forward um that is that ultimately results in such a day like wednesday well the venue merchandise has been wiped off the table live events have been wiped off the table and i think the, the biggest piece of live events live events i think generally are not profitable i think if you took wrestlemania out of the picture i think 2019 the live events division would have been unprofitable uh, so they didn't run WrestleMania as a normal event, right? They didn't they didn't uh, get to run it in a stadium with the adjacent events in the arena. So I think that that takes you know maybe twenty million dollars of operating income off of WWE's table there. So there's there's that to repair. And as long as this goes on, there's going to be venue merch that they're not selling, and that's something. And I think there are some downstream effects that if they haven't taken effect, I think they will will continue to be a negative effect the longer this goes on in terms of network subscriptions in terms of maybe product licensing sales and in terms of even online merchandise sales and the Saudi Arabia uncertainty as well. What, what do you know of what the talent might be getting uh, upon release here? Uh, what, what sort of no compete are they attached to right now? What are basically they leaving their contracts with? I, I probably don't know much more than you guys do. I heard um, 90 days for main roster, 30 days for NXT. And I've heard that some people are getting some sort of, money severance as well looking at the landscape brandon i mean whether it's six months from now 12 months from now like we we talked so much about 2019 really being um a a very very enticing uh climate to be a professional wrestler where you had two big organizations that seemed to have um no issue uh spending to bulk up on talent and it seemed like a great time it it certainly, to me, has taken a dramatic shift, and that's even when we opened the doors again to wrestling events, what state are so many of these companies going to be in where hiring is a priority and something that, that they can um, go, go ahead with? Like We have a lot of talent that now do not have jobs, and it's not a case of just jumping to another promotion, maybe taking a pay cut. It's what, what are the effects of this going to be on other companies as well? Yeah, I mean, you've got Ring, Ring of Honor not running, and uh, and AEW is probably not going to sign anybody right now. I think I I, I kind of think too that they probably felt more safe to release all of these people uh, at this moment, where in other promotions don't feel like they have a lot of free cash to to sign people up with. Um, you, you think about how how many people, how many wrestlers were under contract at the end of the year It was three hundred, which doubled from one fifty in two thousand fifteen. So they had an, an enormous amount of wrestlers under contract. And uh, just they have more brands. They have the 205 Live now. They have NXT UK. But it's I don't I don't think there were you know there was so many new slots that justified growing the roster in the way that they did. So you could say that well they you know they they hoarded up all this talent 
and uh, they didn't really have anywhere to put them. And so, you know, and I think after Barrios and Wilson left too, you probably would have seen some layoffs in corporate employees as well, regardless, maybe. I think Vince, Vince made a comment on the last earnings call where he, he said that he felt like the, the data, uh, WD Network gets a lot of data from its users. So every, every time somebody creates a user account, they get all sorts of data that's related to whatever that user does on their system. And I think that was a big thing that George Barrios was into is that you could use all this data to, to figure out how to market to people and how to you know, sell them tickets or sell them merchandise or whatever it is. And Vince made a comment on the last earnings call that he felt that that was sort of overplayed, that that was overemphasized. And I think one thing that we had heard over the last few years was how, how into the data that Barrios was and how much hiring they had done as far as hiring data scientists and hiring an entire data department. And we may see some of the layoffs uh, happening there. I, I don't know that, but I would, I, would, you know, I would ask that question. Were a lot of the layoffs in the data department, which I, th- I think is headed by Tandy O'Donohue. So I would, I would expect to see that. Just And you look at the uh, – we also get in every annual report accounts of employees – and that was up to, uh, to I think, 960 for 2019. And that's just like talent had been growing year over year. And in fact, the corporate employees had really been growing consistently year over year. And uh, so I think in 2014, we saw a similar uh, cut in, uh, in terms of cutting costs and cutting talent. And so it sort of seems like maybe it's a, it's a five-year plan that things get reevaluated every you know, half decade or so. And they sort of change the direction and change the employees and to some degree change the talent. I guess it's also an interesting question that I, I hope we get some insight on next week is the fact that, you know, that business has been conducted over the, this past month. They had the the ESPN specials with WrestleMania. FS1 has now that that four hour block on Tuesday nights. And uh, what kind of costs were associated uh, with that as well for, for WWE? And did they get any kind of business out of um testing out like a pay-per-view model for WrestleMania, even though you did have the network presentation. Yeah. And it, it, as we know, the, uh, they were selling the pay-per-view for, for $60 while you could also get it for $10 on the W network and then cancel. Right because we don't to. want you to be beholden to any one place as, as it was explained. I like what great uh, insight and thinking of me that, Oh, maybe I don't want to just watch this on the network. Maybe, maybe right. I want that option. That's right. And, and uh, the weird thing is that to offer it digitally, like if, if you're if you think if you're going to order it on pay-per-view, you're ordering it because maybe your Internet service in your area isn't good. So you're going to order it sure. through traditional means through cable or satellite. But you've got, a, you know, to, to give other options to do it through the Internet is interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I heard that that fight maybe didn't even sell a thousand of, uh, of WrestleMania pay-per-view buys. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Um, but I, I think maybe it was a, a test to see if there was, uh, you know, to see to look at the prospects of maybe selling pay-per-view rights permanently to a, to a streamer, like maybe, maybe Fox would be part of that or NBC uh, with, with Peacock or ESPN plus. So I think that's something that that's definitely something that uh, Vince was in negotiations for earlier this year. I think that's been interrupted now because of all the economic effects of coronavirus, but that's something that I think could, could still happen in 2021. Uh, You know, switching gears to AEW, uh, they've announced plans to go ahead with Double or Nothing as a pay-per-view. How uh, how important would you say uh, this doing this pay-per-view is for their overall health at the moment? And, uh, you know, talking about, I think, uh, perhaps a PR blowback from all of this news, how much do you think they might get coming off of, you know, all this criticism to WWE? It's probably fairly important. I think we've been hearing that uh, AEW's been doing about 100,000 buys for, for at least most of their pay-per-views. 
if you multiply that by 50 and then put that into a split between the uh, the provider and the company, uh, that's a lot of money for them. Um, but, but I think, uh, you know, that's the, the, the PR blowback as far as wrestling is going to be largely absorbed by WWE. And, uh, you know, now that they're running live every week, that's most of the story. But I think there's criticism to uh, to to give to AEW as well for, you know, continuing to do these these shows. Um, I think it's nice that uh, apparently the you know, AEW and WWE are telling people you don't have to do it, you know, and you're, maybe you're still going to get paid, too, if you, if you don't want to do it. I think that there's a difference, though, in trust when it comes to WWE and AEW among the workers where that uh, I don't think the average W wrestler feels as much trust that there won't be repercussions if they don't do the show versus the average AEW wrestler. And after a day like yesterday, having that fear that six months from now they're off of another set of projections and there's another round. And do I, do I want to be anywhere near uh, the bubble? Like that is how a wrestler is naturally like any employee is going to, or independent contractor is going to think in, in that situation that I may be given that option, but Am I am I putting myself into a category where I'm expendable? That's just natural to think in these situations, right? I I, I think it's it's reasonable for for a wrestler to think, well, you know, I can say no, and I can still get paid, and I can you know make sure that I'm in, I'm safe and my family's safe. But uh, maybe you know three or six months from now, when somebody's making a decision between me and somebody else, maybe you know that's going to weigh on their mind, you know, consciously or not. That uh, you know this guy really showed his loyalty by by coming through even when there was a pandemic going on. Before we let you go, Brandon, I think that this is a subject that I don't know how much how much it gains uh, going into this call, coming out of this call. But when we look and you look at the scoreboard of Vince McMahon over the past four months, where are you assessing um, Vince McMahon and confidence that shareholders have in this guy? That I mean, right from you know they they had a tremendous year last year, but did come up short on on their projections. They had the George Barrios, Michelle Wilson fallout. There was the promise of this transformative deal. Like everything together, um, where do you think uh, shareholder confidence lies right now in Vince McMahon? And, and and can it be questioned if you're shareholders? Like does Vince McMahon just hold that much confidence with them through highs and lows? Yeah, I, I think people, I think the investors in general believe strongly in Vince. He's the founder. He's been the guy who's always been in charge since 1982. He's been in charge since the company's been public in 1999. And I think, you know, you take all that into consideration, but then also I think there is some damage in, in his, in the trust that, that people put in him following the apparent firing of Barrios and Wilson and Barrios and Wilson more so than Vince over the last several years had been the people who had been facing the investors and been going to conferences and talking on the conference calls. Um, but I think the XFL apparently folding, if anything, that, uh, that reassures people that, okay, if he was distracted with uh, running another company, that that's off the board, you know, for now and may, maybe permanently because he's not, you know, because of that they filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy the other day. So, uh, if, if anything, and, and I think a lot of people think that, um, WB somehow is, is getting their finances mixed up in the XFL. And that's not, that's not the case. Uh, WWE did have a minority stake in Alpha Entertainment, XFL's parent company, and um, that was part of the the transaction that uh, in in which Alpha Entertainment acquired the intellectual property related to the XFL. So they got a million dollars plus some stake in in the in the XFL, um, but that that was at no additional cost. So it's not like WWE is going to lose a bunch of money now because the XFL went under. 
Um, so if, if anything, the fact that the XFL is done, if it's done, is, is only uh, a reassurance for the investor. And that is a uh, steak, S-T-A-K-E, not what uh, Brody Lee was eating on AEW that Vince McMahon was, was uh, probably had a few of this week to get through some yes. tumultuous days. <laughs> uh, Brandon, I always appreciate you coming on and uh, making a lot of sense uh, out of this for, for all of us. Um, please uh, let everybody know where they can read more, including the uh, a great breakdown you did of the idea of WWE not running any more shows this year and kind of the, the health that they would be in. Um, uh, please, yeah, the floor yeah. is yours. Yeah, yeah. Two two weeks ago, I did an, an estimate, basically estimating out the entire year. If this had been a normal pandemic-free year, I estimated uh, the revenue and the operating income for WWE, and then I did a separate one estimating that if if WWE ran no more live events for the rest of the year, what were their finances look like? And and basically, I, I concluded what we kind of already talked about is that WWE would be still quite profitable. In fact, they would be breaking their their profit records for the company. Uh, for for 2020, uh, you can find that at wrestlenomics.com. It's the the second newest article that's on that blog, and uh, yeah, you can follow me at Brandon Thurston. Follow me at Wrestlenomics, and I'll be recording another episode of Wrestlenomics Radio either today or tomorrow or both. Well, fantastic! Uh, thanks so much, Brandon. Wrestlenomics.com. Uh, go bookmark it. Uh, an essential uh, follow out there, especially uh, during weeks like this. Uh, thanks so much, Brandon, for taking the time. Uh, we really appreciate you uh, coming on the show as always. Thanks, guys, for having me. Awesome. Thanks, Brandon. That was Brandon Thurston, everybody. And we will be opening up the phone line. So if you want to uh, Skype in, just search for Post Wrestling. And we will be uh, opening up the phone lines for the rest of the show. We've got about a half hour to go here. Uh, If you want to chat about uh, the cuts, about any of the stories from this week, the passing of Howard Finkel, AEW, going ahead with Double or Nothing at a location to be determined on May 23rd. All of that is up for grabs. There has not been a day that I feel anything has let up way as we are continuing to just um, be inundated with with big news stories. I can't imagine that the XFL filing for bankruptcy this week would almost be lost in the in the news cycle this week. But it kind of felt like it was after yesterday. Oh, honestly, I mean, I feel like if it was a normal week, we would still be talking about what what broke last week of of somebody uh, within the company coming down with COVID. Um, that really feels like it's it's been weeks ago, and and really everything just seems like it's kind of getting shoveled, uh, you know, to the back of the line as far as topics go. So I almost shudder to think by the time we release this podcast, what what might be out there that that'll make everything dated. Well, let's not jinx ourselves. So uh, yeah, maybe uh, maybe the news gods are going to uh, take a day off on, on Thursday. I believe we have our first caller on the line. Please identify yourself, and what would you like to talk talk about? Hello, this is Patrick. Can you guys hear me? Hi, Patrick. Hey, Patrick. I actually met you guys at the meet and greet in Toronto for SummerSlam. It's a yeah. nice oh, to listen cool. to the show live. You know, better times. Um, <laughs> a very yeah, different time. Yeah. It seems well, like we'll get back there. We'll get also, back there at some point. It's also strange to hear you guys talk in normal speed because usually when I'm listening on the feed after, it's in two, two speed, which I know the guys can appreciate. <laughs> we get that a lot. Yeah. yeah. I I wanted to talk about the roster movement because the consensus seems to be that if the WWE did this cut for the right reasons, which I don't think most people think they did, but if they did do this for the right reasons, it's because the roster was bloated. I wanted to know if you guys think that this is an indictment that they don't know how to book a bigger roster. Because if you look at how the WWE books from month to month, it's usually 
you have your you have your players, you build towards a pay-per-view, and then there's little turnover the next month. Whereas alternatively, they could be doing a better job of rotating people in and out and make it so that it's not must that you have to be on the show every week. So do you think it's possible the WWE could have done a better job of holding a bigger roster if they just booked it better? Well, I would question whether or not that was the intent at all, or if the intent was simply to have people on your staff, like within your, your realm so that they don't go elsewhere. I don't right. know if they ever intended on, you know, this, this kind of uh, giant field of, you know, people that they would be able to choose from. I think it's the case as well, Patrick, that you look at, at certain talents that were brought in. I mean, we look, we'll go back to when they did the, the second brand split in 2016, and we saw several signings like your Shelton Benjamins, your Kurt Hawkins, guys that they were bringing back. Um, you know, yet then you have exceptions like Jinder Mahal, who they certainly did go with. But many of those that just came and you saw instantly where they were slotted. They were not being brought in to be anything more than bodies on the show and over time, like these were the people that you would see frequenting main event and not so much being main roster players. Um, yeah, I think certainly you can look at I, I have a different feeling on kind of how you how you manage your NXT system, because by its very nature, the function of that NXT system is bringing people in and then having your farm system where some are not ready for television yet. And that I look at that very different. Even if this is um, a loss leader, it's the idea that we are going to sign 20 guys and hopefully we get five ready-made stars out of this five years down the road. And there are going to be ones that don't make it along the way. Um, that's that's kind of the, the recruiting method. But certainly, I think that there is a point that we can look at many different individuals that are on this roster that were not figured in for anything beyond just having having spots and and that's not really fair to the performer and you know they these were the people on the bubble right now to me i understand as somebody who watches sports obviously that not everybody same as in baseball or hockey not all your triple a players are going to make it on the big league so i don't think it's always a failing if somebody from nxt doesn't make it on the big roster but to me it, it just seems like you could have a bigger roster actively because you know, your mid card guys don't have to be on TV every week. You could rotate yep. people in and out. It's not a failing if you're not on the pay-per-view. It, there's no doubt that they were hoarding the roster, but you could have that amount of people on your roster and just book it better. Yeah, it's, it's certainly when you look look at uh, SmackDown for the last number of months where they were just so short on heels and you had Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin spread out over months. And it's, you know, just really you didn't have a, a whole lot of options on that side after the brand split and instead of you know three straight months of this um rotating some of your talent and having guys that can you can plug in and it doesn't mean you're kind of in the background but then you can be swapped in i think that there's certainly something to that as opposed to just kind of having your your set um top 15 to 20 guys and or and women as well and that being kind of the focus of each week's television certainly yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Just if people are looking for wrestling to watch, look up East Coast Pro Wrestling on YouTube with myself doing play-by-play. I have to throw in a plug for myself. Thanks for everything you guys are doing. You're doing a great job with all that's going on. So many shows getting cranked out. Just keep it up, and uh, thanks for the show. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, Thank go you, check Patrick. it out. East Coast Post Wrestling on YouTube. Everyone can use some uh, free wrestling content that is out there. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's definitely a, a debate way about the 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 – amount of talent that the company has and how this affects 
plans, like the the global localization initiative. I think at the very least, you have to be questioning right now its viability. And in, in this climate, the idea of going to other regions of the world to try and start things. I mean, the, the economy may dictate that that is not going to be feasible um, for the time being. Expansion is absolutely on hold right now. Um, it's it just it is not viable, I would say, uh, within the company and the industry at all. So um, whenever I think, you know, things get back to normal, I, I, I could certainly see Hunter wanting to get back to it. I, I want to also bring up the, the idea, though, that let's say if they were not in such a hoarding mode and a hoarding capacity, would a guy like Kurt Hawkins have even been brought back? You know, would a guy like um, No Way Jose, you know, have not been released months back or years ago? And yeah. are we simply playing catch up right now? Well, listen, I mean, th- this was kind of the the effect that like we have seen like over the years, like there was a t- like in the mid 2000s, like nothing to the extreme as yesterday. But it was typical that it would happen every so often where you would get that that awful Friday where it would be a long list of names that would get cut. And they have gotten away from that a lot over these years. And you would see the odd release here and there. But this was a company that they did not want to let anybody go. And there is a benefit to that, absolutely, for the talent that you have that kind of security. But at the same time, doesn't mean you're that just because they don't want to lose you means that they're going to use you to your liking and be be featured. And that can also be frustrating if you're a performer and looking at the calendar and you're just getting a year older and not being able to, you know, be creatively satisfied. But it has allowed for more jobs that WWE has provided for talent. At the same time, they have seen their their core content rights skyrocket and they have at least invested in talent when they they could have just simply looked at the bottom line and this is all pure profit for us. You have seen talent over this last year. Oh. For it and, and the talent benefited from that was the that's that was a benefit to the wrestling marketplace having a competitor like AEW appear. We might have actually been disconnected briefly there unfortunately John I, I think I've been having internet uh, issues. It was such a today. it was one of my best answers of all time. I'm sure it was really it was really to... insightful. I made some great <laughs> points and it's been lost. We'll, we'll just have to use our imagination uh, everybody. But um maybe Johnny, are you on the line? Are you still there? And if you are, would you mind unmuting your microphone so perhaps you can fill us in on what John might have said if you happen to hear it? Uh, yes, and actually, my name is Rick. It's just an old email, uh, first time subscriber. Oh, okay. uh, so I hope that I can help you guys during this uh, uncertain time. Um, Thank you. I want to bring it. up a topic that, that very many people are not talking about. It's so easy to focus on the big bad WWE right now. Uh, wouldn't this be a great time for the wrestling media to really focus on how Ring of Honor, Major League Wrestling, and all the companies in Japan from New, from New Japan all the way down, they seem to actually be taking this pandemic seriously. They seem to actually care about the health of their wrestlers and even making sure that they try to get paid uh, rather than always focusing on what's going on in the WWE. I think this is a great opportunity to bring attention to these other companies and try to get other people to support these companies who are actually being socially responsible uh, in a time when people are really showing. Did uh, did MLW and ROH, they, they put out statements this week, right, about, uh, addressing this? 
Yeah, I actually got the statements from your website. From one. Of oh, okay. I, I just wanted to, as you paint wrestling media there. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, so anyway, yeah, absolutely. Shine a light on these other companies that are, let's be honest, are, are not in the same position to uh, withstand a lot of this as well. And they are opting to sit this out. And, and I think that you, you do applaud those ones uh, out there. Um, I, I don't know what the state is for, for every company out there, but we do know um, ROH, like Matt Taven just spoke this week about those under contract are getting paid during this time. Uh, Ethan Page has spoken about impact uh, paying for people on shows that they have not been able to run. So believe me, my my hats are off to those companies that are doing that in this time. And everyone is in different financial positions. And in Japan, like so many companies that are so reliant on these live gates that are not um, that are not pushing through with the with the like that is the vast majority over in Japan as well. So that's that is a part of this story. And that, as I said on Wednesday night, it would be incorrect to just characterize all of MMA or all of wrestling when it's essentially the the focus has been WWE running, AEW running and UFC running or at least attempting to run. Uh, absolutely. And I wanted to bring up one other topic because uh, it's something that no one uh, in any wrestling media, you or elsewhere, uh, has addressed. We're clearly seeing that the novelty of these empty arena programs are resulting in what it looks like all-time bad ratings for WWE. Is that correct? Uh, these are all-time bad ratings? Uh, this this past Monday was not the, their lowest of modern history. It would be their third lowest behind third uh, lowest. two okay. tape shows. Well, well, yeah. Okay, so, so here here's the topic that I would love to see discussed amongst the wrestling and even sports media. What makes the sports world think that they'll be immune to the novelty wearing off if they come back for empty arena and empty stadium shows? What makes them think that their ratings wouldn't quickly nosedive and cause a strain for the leagues, network sponsors, and advertisers? Oh, Rick, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. That I think that there will be an initial heightened interest when these sports, if they were to be able to come back in a, in an empty stadium, empty arena setting. Uh, but yeah, I do think that we can look at a microcosm of what the interest level has been for professional wrestling, even for that UFC event that they did run in Brasilia last month. It was an afternoon show, but still um, was that, that was when all of this began. And the idea was people are starved and they were not starving for that UFC event. So I, I don't discount that when, other sports try this, that there will be a novelty factor that will be followed by this is really tough to watch. Now, the caveat being that is there going to be more of a like wrestling is so much in concert with its fan participation and that being a part of it, that it's it's more of a divide with traditional sports like a basketball game or a baseball game. Is there more of an appetite for it? That's to be determined. Okay, well, then I'll have one last follow-up question and let you guys go then. Uh, seeing that you were in Toronto uh, when the Raptors won it all last year, I'm from Seattle. I was there when the Seahawks won their Super Bowl six, seven years ago. Okay. Do the sports – what sports fan truly would want their team to win it all if they can't attend the games, if they can't gather together outside the stadium or, or arena, if their team's on the road for a Super Bowl or a road game – if they can't go to a sports bar to be around this, uh, other fans, whether it's the same team or opposing teams, uh, if they can't party right after their team wins it all, all night long in their city, 
and that they can't come to a parade a few days later either. What's the fun in celebrating that kind of championship? Can they even really celebrate a championship in circumstances like empty arenas and social distancing? No, and that's that's the reality of the world that we're entering. That there is no and there is no just dialing back the the clock to what we were living in two months ago. And that's it. These sports leagues have reasons and economic reasons that they want to get back immediately. And that comes with an enormous sacrifice on the fan experience, on the presentation of the game. And this is not a perfect situation, whether, whether there are sports leagues that are coming back in four months or a year from now, I think that it's going to be a drastically different, um, fan experience. And, and that's, that's just the reality of things. And you, is that enough that you just say, well, we're off indefinitely. And that could be 18 months from now. There aren't easy answers here. And it, there is going to be a, a change that is not going to be met with approval from everybody. Well, well, that's why I believe these sports will be making a mistake if they come back too soon with these empty arenas. I think the fans are going to tune out in droves and maybe even lose interest. But again, thank you for taking my call and I'm glad to be a supporter from now on. Thank you for the questions. We appreciate it. Um, Yeah. I mean, when you look at pro sports, I mean, that is, it's very much the, it makes sense. Like as we were talking way about when wrestling was going to continue to run, the argument was, well, there's nothing else on is it going to lead to this surge of people watching? Because it's the only thing they have at this point that is new, that's live. And we got the answers. Like there was a novelty at the beginning, but now we we are hitting like near record lows because these are not the most um, easily digestible shows for the viewer that is opting to do different things with their free time, if they have free time. It'll certainly be weird seeing a baseball game without a crowd or a basketball game without a crowd or a hockey game without a crowd. I, I, I will contend that I think, I feel like, like you mentioned, those sports are going to be very different from professional wrestling. I mean, yes, crowd interaction is a big part of all live, live sporting events, but I, I feel like they are even more so with pro wrestling than, you know, something that would strictly, I think, rely on scores, for instance, or statistics in order to get you excited. And it really, to me, is up to like, technology i think to try to find ways to create that communal experience while watching while all of us are watching separately um so they have time to think about these ideas right now but a lot of it will be trial and error for sure um yes i was just gonna add like i think that there is certain content that in certain presentations people are starved for and i think seriously this this espn series the last dance that i was talking about the other night like i think this thing is going to be mammoth big bigger than it would have been initially um that here is this highly anticipated documentary series that espn is putting out and i think that is something that is going to be consumed by tons of people and it's it's not a negotiated down form of its presentation like this is a full-on high-quality 10-part documentary series that i think is going to be you know what tiger king was three weeks ago i think this series is going to be to the sports fan uh yeah i'm I'm very curious to see how that turns out i am stoked for this series way have i have i told you like i i have not followed basketball significantly in years but i would love to watch basketball right now like that is where my my head has gone towards and i'm really looking forward to this this documentary series well i'm really looking forward to seeing 
a Jackbox game night. Perhaps oh. even one that'll take place this Saturday, hosted by one Ultimate Warrior, Phil Chertalk. Welcome to the show. Look at this guy. Oh, my God. Hello. I was sent here in a capsule oh from a place God. far from here. And I came here for one reason, not to ask, but just to give, not to want, but just to send, send the power of fun down the throat of everyone in the post wrestling community. You know, I, I, I have dubbed him the post master of ceremonies, but I think the more appropriate nickname, are you ready for this? Filter. Or no filter. Or no filter, perhaps. Look at this. Green screen. He's on the beach. Look at the this beach. Guy. I'm not on a beach. This isn't any regular beach. I'm on Dana, Uncle Dana's Fight Island. It's amazing here, guys. You can't believe it. it it's incredible. Just over there, I've got Bruce Lee and Helio Gracie rolling. There's virgins everywhere. It's exactly what you would think <laughs> paradise would be like. Well, I don't think anyone's going to catch you with a Kimura because your arms are, like, gone. So you have quite the defense mechanism for any submission grappling. I don't need arms when you've got people feeding you margaritas. Well, where can everyone put their arms around game night on Saturday? Please let the Ah, listener and viewer know. Yes, this Saturday night, we will be live on Discord at 8 p.m. Eastern time playing the Jackbox Party Pack once again. We've had so many new uh, people join the Discord since the last time. It was an amazing time uh, for the viewing party for WrestleMania both nights. It was just absolutely uh, hilarious. And yeah, so we're back with another big game night. Uh, We're going to be giving away some exciting post-wrestling swag again. Uh, So all you need to do is just show up and uh, participate in the giveaway. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. The Wait, Discord, I mean, beyond just a, a place to, you know, play games with Phil Chertalk on Fight Island is really just a place for our audience to talk and communicate with each other about professional wrestling or anything else that's going on. Uh, we, of course, have our forum, and that's where a lot of our communication takes place. But if you're looking for something a bit more immediate, uh, you know, if you want just a community to talk to, to talk about the latest news. I mean, yesterday, I know there were people that were following sort of the, the, the releases as and reacting to them as they were coming out within the group itself. Uh, the Discord is sort of that more immediate communal experience. Yeah, you get really nice uh, interactions with a bunch of people at once, and and it's a lot of fun. We're posting GIFs and memes, and there's a bot that can do some image manipulation, and we do polls. So, yeah, there's a lot of real-time activity. You see people there uh, during – you mentioned yesterday when there was uh, some uh, breaking news and then uh, also uh, during uh, live events, and, and not just live events that we promote, like WrestleMania or these game nights, but you know during Raw, SmackDown, uh, Dynamite. And uh, if, I'm sure if uh, the UFC is able to put on some events, we'll have some people in there for those as well. So, Phil, this Saturday was supposed to be UFC 249. The new date that Dana White is uh, targeting is May the 9th. What are your thoughts now on the ability for them to pull off that card on May 9th and as well the the card that they are attempting to put together. Uh, well, their ability to pull it off is, I mean, it sort of, it seemed like this week the news came out that the WWE is carte blanche to do live events without an audience in uh, the state of Florida. And uh, there's a lot of fighters in Florida 
And so I would not be surprised to see the UFC put on an event there. I, I, uh, I was having a discussion with uh, some people in Discord the other day. And um, while we would say it's sort of it's in a comparable um, level of risk. It's probably more risky, but it's comparable. And based on the criteria that they've outlined in Florida, it totally qualifies. Um, now, in regards to the quality of the card, it's spectacular. If this was a regular event, I would be super excited. And if the event does go off, I think on television, it will be perfectly fine. Um, MMA fans are used to seeing uh, competition in you know, uh, empty arenas. Do you think Disney feels any pressure to stand by their initial, you know, call that they made to Dana White, um, even though it's now going to Florida where, I mean, that that government in Florida has essentially put this green light up? Because I think ultimately this comes down to Disney. I, yeah, I, I, I've got a feeling Disney is going to be OK with it because they were OK with it up until the governor of California complained. Uh, so, uh, and if and if the UFC is prohibited some way, there's going to be a lot of blowback on the WWE. Uh, like, why are they allowed to participate? Um, so uh, I, I do think it will come down to it. I think that there's a lot of financial pressures. I mean, as you already mentioned, there's no new content. And... An, an MMA event would be real legitimate competition for people. So I'm not entirely sure that it would suffer the same um, negative ratings that you've seen with the WWE. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of pressure from ESPN to get that content on there. The, the uh, UFC, there's a lot of pressure. They've talked about fulfilling their um, dates, the amount of dates that they want to deliver to ESPN this year. And there's a lot of pre uh, pressure from the parent company who ha had a very rough uh, last six months financial wise. They failed uh, at going public and they paid out a lot of people in dividends. Their credit rating has been hurt. They've laid off 250 people. They have no income streams because the entertainment industry is shut down. So a lot of financial pressures that I think uh, are going to make this happen, especially if sort of the the work we've been doing, staying at home and flattening the curve actually continues to work. So again, Phil, post-wrestling game night is taking place Saturday, 8 o'clock on the Discord. And um, if you're going to have trouble finding the Discord, I'm actually going to put a button up on the website uh, that you'll just be able to click on it and it'll take you to an invite directly into the chat room itself. So, you, so uh, what else do people need? in order to get there well that's it they just need to sign up for discord you'll be able to play along or watch along without anything else any other software uh the games are free to play um as well you just play them through your web browser and even if you're not going to play it's a lot of fun to just uh, watch along yeah phil you're a national treasure thank you so much for joining us i, I hope you are doing well i am i am doing well and i just want to leave uh, the people with one note if that's okay all right you know, I want to talk a little bit about something called hard times. Jeez. You know, God. I think the people know what hard times are. We heard a lot of noise yesterday about people losing their jobs. That's hard times. We know it's hard times and people, they want to go to work and they're told to go home. That's hard times. 
Hard time is when a man has been working at a job for 30 years and they send him home with the gold watch and they'd say, hey, a computer took your job, daddy. That's hard times. Yes, these are hard times. We're in these hard times, but we're in these hard times together, brothers, sisters, daddies, mommies. We can't stay together, but we can play together. And this Saturday night, live on Discord at 8 p.m., let's kick those hard times in the butt the only way we know how, the post-wrestling way. I will see everybody on Saturday night. Chael P out. Wow, that was a uh, breathtaking. That was next wow. level. I've never, I've never seen this side of him to this degree, and I've known I this thought, guy for almost twenty I, years. I thought he was just the MMA reviewer. I had no idea he. That he was that's this just good. scratching the surface of this man's talents. Phil Chair, well, how, everybody. Yeah. Well, how do we follow that? But perhaps the only way we know how. Here to close up the show, Brandon from New Jersey. Please unmute yourself. You're on the air. What is going on? Uh, what's going on, man? That was the most Brandon entrance by just uh, tripping over Phil there as he was mid-promo. So uh, good on you, uh, Brandon. Uh, perfect timing as always. Uh, he was tremendous, man. I got my Acton uh, Haida leather coat on too. I'm ready. Oh, it's worth it's worth the drive. I knew you'd, I knew that re- reference would land with you. Hey, have you got a new? Uh, have you got the new uh, Doug Ford T-shirt? You seen this T-shirt he's wearing? What? I have not. No. Oh, uh, it's a tremendous piece of business. <laughs> What's it say on it? Uh, it's what is it? I'll, I'll look it up off air. What's on your mind, Brandon? Uh, Ways on yeah. the clock here, Brandon. We got we got to be quick. We got to get way out of here. Oh uh, no doubt. Um, I'll be real quick. I'm uh, I'm not really uh, I can't really get into these the uh, the wrestling the past few weeks because of what's going on and whatnot, and uh, I just think this whole entire situation is all messed up and uh. It's making me question uh, if I should continue following the sport or not. Uh, to each his own, but uh, I don't know, man. I don't know how to feel right now. I'm kind of uh, disgusted, especially with Jose- No Way Jose, man. They made that guy travel, and then they can him the next day. I, I, it's just totally fucked up, part of my language, hey? But, uh, yeah, that's all I can. No. And, uh, well, I appreciate Have yeah. a good day. All right. Well, thank man, you. Brandon, I mean, I... in and out. That was that was short, succinct. Uh, yeah, listen, there's plenty of people that I'm sure have reason to be um, more than upset uh, today, especially if you were going to these shows under the assumption that you were doing a solid for your company. And that is a transaction that I am providing myself in exchange for you to take care of me. Um, that That is something in all of this um, as well, of like what you view as like, the philosophy of a contract as well it's you know very much one-sided towards the business and that is how unfortunately it works so um obviously much more that we can talk about uh, regarding this we spent a lot of time going through this story on rewind to dynamite on wednesday night so you can check that out uh, but way and i will be back friday night with rewind to smackdown that will feature smackdown and a review of this week's dark side of the ring New British Wrestling Experience out on Friday. Joe Lemon is going to join Benno and Jamesy reviewing ROH Unified from 2006. Rocky Maya via Picture Show Saturday. Phil's Game Night Saturday. And then Thunderstruck, the season finale on Sunday. What a loaded weekend at postwrestling.com. I want to give some shout-outs to the people in the chat room. Thank you guys for tuning in live. Thank you to Bruhavan, Andrew McDonald, Jordan Yates, Joe from H-Town, Phil LaMasters, uh, Keyshawn Amarali, Patrick McNeil. Thank you guys always for 
joining us here live every single week on the Cafe Hangout. And shout out to MJ from NJ. We all love you. Oh, you know what? MJ was briefly in the chat room, but, um, you know, we're, we hope to hear from you next week. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening, as always. And uh, have a wonderful evening. Thank you.